The following message is brought to you by New Song Church and Pastor Joshua Blunt in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. For more information on New Song, visit us online at newsongpeople.com. morning, New Song Church. I am so glad that you guys have joined us this morning, wherever you are. Maybe you're in your living room or your kitchen, or maybe you haven't even gotten out of bed yet this morning, or maybe you're even hearing this later on in the week in the podcast. I just want to say that we are so grateful to have you this morning, and we have got a great word for you. First, I want to introduce myself to you. My name is Josh Romano, and I'm one of the pastors here at New Song Church, and we are so grateful to be joining with you guys this morning. And I'll say this. Man, there's some good news on the horizon. I know that we are in the process, as many of you guys are probably hearing some of the news that's coming down, and we're in the process of trying to figure out when's going to be the best time to meet again. But one thing I do want to ask this, as we get closer to that day and we look forward to being able to see everybody again, I just want to encourage you guys to be covering our pastors and our leaders here at the church in prayer as they make those decisions. And then also this that as we get back and as we transition back into the way things were, that we pray that COVID doesn't relapse or have a second wave. And we're gonna stand in faith and we're gonna believe that God is gonna allow this thing to die down and that we can get back to life as we know it. So as we do that, we covet your prayers this week uh, and, and as we get closer to that. So again, like I said, my name's Josh Romano. Pastor Josh has the week off. Um, and I just wanna say this too before I get into the word. Man, our pastors in the process of this transition, man, it's one of the great things that I get to do is honor them in this because seeing the way that they've led and seeing the way that they have just really been full of faith as we have gone and as we, uh, as we come to you guys in your home since we're not able to meet live, it's been remarkable. So Pastor Josh, and Sarah, I just want to honor you this morning and say, we are so grateful for you guys, and uh, we love you guys. We don't take your leadership for granted. And another person that I want to honor this morning is my wife, Kristen. Uh, my wife, Kristen, and I have been married for 11 years, and what I'm going to be talking to you all about this morning, she led in our family. She championed this from the day that I met her, and it was something that really, for me, took some time for me to understand and, and really took some time for me to, to fully grasp. And so, Kristen, I just wanna say thank you. Being your husband is one of the highlights of my life. Uh, we've been married for 11 years and I, I, I love doing life with you. You're a wonderful woman. Proverbs says, he who finds a, a wife finds a good thing and I have found a great thing and I love you very much. And be praying for her uh, because as you can see, um, She's dealing with now four kids. We, had, we have three kids and four if you include me. But this week, I, uh, I got on a longboard after she asked me that it was probably not the best idea and uh, had a little bit of an accident. And so we've got a, a broken arm right in this region here uh, at the elbow area. I'll say this though, I didn't fall off like a, like a clumsy person. Or anything. I'm pretty good on a longboard. It was just, I decided to bail and... <laughs> One thing that I didn't think about is when you get this amount of mass moving in one direction and then all of a sudden you stop, it's going to want to keep moving. So I couldn't keep my, my feet <laughs> underneath me and I ate it and uh, broke my arm. And you know, I should have I known that was going to happen because this is a really funny story. This time last year, actually, we were at Yosemite. And uh, we hiked up to the top of this mountain and Kristen, it was like a 14 mile hike and on our way down, she said, hey, we should jog down because it'll be quicker. And I thought, yeah, it's a great idea. Well, that jog very quickly became a terrifying run, not just for me, but everybody that, that we encountered on the way down the mountain because 
I, I couldn't stop. It was either I was going to mow somebody over or run off the side of the mountain. So anyway, lesson learned is when you, get, when you get moving at a pretty good rate of speed, you need to hit some flat ground or keep moving before, <laughs> uh, before you stop. So anyway, uh, but in all seriousness, I'm good. And so uh, grateful that that's the only thing that happened. Well, this morning, we're continuing in our series from here to there. And last week, if you missed it, I just want to encourage you to listen to the message. Pastor Josh did an amazing job talking about how we're going from here to there. And I love that idea because regardless of where you find yourself this morning, whether you find yourself in a good place or or maybe a not so good place, God has something better for you. There's There's a there that God wants to take you on this morning. And I love the idea that he talked about last week where narrow is the road that we need to be traveling because wide is the road that leads to destruction, right? And, and what's the narrow road? The narrow road is, is what God's word tells us. And we all, we all remember the picture or, or, or the demonstration of the Chick-fil-A sandwich in the blender, right? We don't, we don't want destruction in our life. We want God's best for our life. And so what we're doing is we're looking at different areas where we believe that God can take us from where we're currently at to a place of something greater, of going from here to there. And what I want to talk to you about this morning, if you're taking notes or if you're following along on the app with us, the title of this morning's message is Lack to Plenty. Lack to Plenty. Or you could say Cursed to Blessed or even uh, Poverty to Prosperity. And so some of you right now, you're sitting there and you're going, okay. Maybe you're nudging your wife and going, this, this guy's going to talk about money. Awesome, right? So many people are excited. Well, listen, I'm going to tell you this. I, I know how you feel if you're a little bit anxious right now or maybe something's rising up in you and you're going, ah, man, I, I don't know that I want to hear what he has to say. And, and understand this. I totally understand where you're at because like I said earlier, there was a time in my life where I didn't want to have anything to do with talking about money. And I get that when we talk about money that you find yourself in probably one of three spots. Maybe you find yourself this morning in a spot where you go, hey, this is great. You're excited. You're, you're walking in blessing. You've been giving and, and you've seen God's hand in, on your finances right now. And so maybe you could even get up here and share some great testimonies about what God's done. Or maybe number two, you find yourself in a situation where you're going, you know, we, we don't really give. We, we have just enough to get by. And, you know, talking about finances, quite honestly, is, is not something that we do as spouses because, you know, it's just not a great subject. And, we, we can't save and, you know, we're, we're, we're not necessarily losing, but man, we're, we have just enough to get by. And then number three, you, you might find yourself this morning in a situation where you don't have enough. You're, the very real reality is you're trying to figure out a way to, to maybe float the utility checks so that you can put gas in your car on Monday morning or try to figure out a way to make one week's worth of groceries last two weeks. Like, I understand where you're at. Let me, let me just tell you, from, from my perspective this morning, I've been in all three. I understand what it's like not to have enough or to have just enough, and I've, I've seen God's hand and God's blessing in our life. But one thing I do know is this. God does not want you to be struggling with poverty. That is not God's will for your life. If you're anything other than, than blessed right now, if you have any other than that first option that I talked to you about right now, I'm telling you, God has a there for you to go. He doesn't want you to be stuck there. God's best for your life is to be blessed. Isaiah 53 says that he, he took the chastisement of our, or the, he, on the cross was the chastisement for our peace was upon him. 
That word peace, my, my wife did a word study in last year on peace, and that, that word peace there is shalom peace. It means the total well-being of God. He wants the total well-being of God over your life, and that includes your finances. And so point number one, if you're taking notes this morning, and it's the first thing that I want you to write down, and it's God wants us to be blessed. God wants us to be blessed. It's God's desire for you to be blessed, and God wants your finances to be blessed. And to believe anything else, I'm telling you this morning, you're deceived if you believe anything else. God's desire is for you to be blessed. And the problem that we get into when we, when we talk about financial blessing is we, we try to quantify it. We try to put a number to it and say, well, if God wants me financially blessed, then surely God wants me to be a millionaire, right? Or, or God wants me to have $150,000 a year or whatever that number is for you. Understand this, for some people it's 50,000. For some people it's 100,000. For some people it's way more than that. Simply put, God's, God's blessing over your life means this. It's more than enough and it's more than what you need because understand God doesn't only wanna bless you. He wants to be able to bless people through you. And in order for him to bless people through you, You've got to have more than enough to accomplish what it is for him. I love what it says here in Philippians 4.19. It says, and my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. What's it saying there? That God's wanting to supply all your needs. Let's look at what it says in Malachi verse th- or, uh, chapter 3, verse 10. It says, bring all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. What, what that's saying there in Malachi is, if you're unfamiliar with that term tithe, is tithe is the first 10%. Tithe is the first 10% of every increase that we, we bring in. And I'll tell you, in, in our house, the way that looks is it's any income that I earn in my job. It's, it's birthday money. It's, it's any increase that we're blessed with. We give the first 10% back to God. And, and what it says now in this is, and try me in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open up for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessing. Everybody say that word with me this morning, blessing. God wants us blessed. Remember, that's what point number one is, that there will not be enough room for us to receive it. Again, God wants to bless us in such a way that we not only have what we need for ourselves, but that we have more than enough so that we can bless others. You know, in Malachi chapter three, it, it goes on to actually talk about the, uh, when, when we tithe, what happens is, is the Lord rebukes the devourer on our behalf. So what that's saying is, is that when we surrender our finances to God, that he rebukes what the enemy wants to do in our life. I'll, think, I'll tell you about it this way. If you remember last week, Pastor Josh talked about the map, right? And when you go to the zoo, you, you go and you look. And I'll, I'll say this, the zoo is something that the Romano family loves. If, if, if you've never been to the Oklahoma City Zoo, I highly encourage you to go. It's a great zoo. And we're there all the time. But if you don't know where the elephant enclosure is, and let's say that you go in and that's one of the first things you want to see. Well, it's back to the far right of the zoo. And so you open up your map or you look at it and you go, okay, here's how I'm going to get there. They, they've laid out a path for you to get there. But here's the thing I want you to think about in regards to the zoo. They've not only laid out a path for you, but what they've done is they laid out a safe path, right? Because understand this, the zoo also has lions and tigers and bears and a panther and all sorts of stuff that if they didn't have an enclosure, they would want to devour you. They would see you walking from where you're at to the elephant enclosure and chances are you probably wouldn't make it there. What we understand is when we follow God's path, when, when we do what the word tells us to according to our finances, God not only gives us the path that we need to go on, but he rebukes the devourer who at different times throughout the course of that path would want to jump in and try to get us. 
What I want to do this morning is I want to look at Luke 18. There's a story about a guy who's a rich young ruler is what it's called. And it's verse 18 through 30. So if you would go ahead and turn in there and we can really see what Jesus is trying to not only communicate to this guy, this rich young ruler, but his disciples here. And let's pick up on verse 18. It says, now a certain ruler asked him saying, good teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? So Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good but one, and that is God. You know the commandments, do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not bear false witness, honor your father and mother. And he said, all these things I've kept for my use. So what, what this guy's saying is, I've done all those things. So what I want you to see here is, this isn't a bad guy. Like, this is a guy that probably in today's age is, I go to church, I, I'm a good husband, I'm a good father, I, I've got good morals and ethics at my job. And so what's Jesus say to him in verse 22? He says, so when Jesus heard these things, he said to him, you still lack one thing. Sell all that you have and distribute to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come and follow me. But when he heard this, he became very sorrowful for he was very rich. See, what Jesus was asking him to do is he's saying, you've kept all these commandments and you've done everything good, but there's one thing that you, you lack. You haven't surrendered your finances to me. You, you haven't given every part of your life over to the call of Jesus. And how often do we find ourselves maybe, now I'll tell you for me, it was easy when I was growing up and when I first got married to, to give Jesus every part of my life, but you know what, my, my finances, no, I'm gonna, I'm gonna hang on to that. that I'm, let me handle that. What Jesus says here is, it says when he heard this, uh, he became very sorrowful. So Jesus saw that the man became very sorrowful and he said how hard it is for those who have riches to enter the kingdom of God. For it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. And when those heard it, they said, who then can be saved? But he said, the things which are impossible with man are possible with God. Now check this out. In verse 28, Peter makes this comment. He says, see, we have left all and followed you. So Jesus, he's like, hey, or Peter said, Jesus, we've done all that. So what's in it for us? Now, I want you to hear what Jesus says here in verse 29 and 30. He says, assuredly, I say to you, there is no one who has left house or parents or brothers or wife or children for the sake of the kingdom who shall not receive, circle this in your Bible, many times more in this present time and in the age to come. You know, there's promises that we can find in the word, and this is a great promise to hold on to. What Jesus is saying here is anything you lay down for me, anything I ask of you to give, the promise is not just, hey, we're going to have eternal treasure in heaven, which is great, and which is greater than the treasure that we're going to have here. But what he says is, I'm going to bless it many times over in this present time. We can stand firm knowing that, that God's going to bless what we give to him many times more. And let me just say this. I think another way that this could be said is drop the victim mentality. Whatever God asks us to give, it's not an invitation to lose something, it's an invitation to invest something. When God asks us to give something, there should be no victim mentality as far as going, well, you know, I, I don't know if I'm ready for that or I don't know if I want to do that. No, 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 understand this. Anytime God's asking something of us, it's an opportunity to make an investment that he promises he promises that he will bless many times over. And it's not always gonna be a financial blessing. It's not always gonna be something that you just look at and go, well, I'm giving 100 bucks, I'm waiting on the 10,000 to come in. Understand this, God wants to bless you through your obedience and your relationships and your health. He wants to bless you in your marriage. When we do that, we give God the opportunity to bless us many times over. I remember a time in our life, and I'll talk about this a little later, that I was working in a job and, and we were going through a transitional phase and... 
I, uh, I actually took another job that was a significant decrease in money, about a 30% cut in pay. And at the time, Kristen was pregnant with our third child, and we really felt very strongly that the Lord said, you know, Kristen, she needs to lay down her job, and, and he, we believe that she was to stay at home with the kids. And in this time, like I said, I took a 30% cut in pay, and she's making very good money doing what she's doing. So it was an opportunity for us to go, okay, you know what, Lord, like this looking at it with my own eyes right now, this, I don't know how we're going to do this. It literally at the end of the day was a 50% cut in pay, but we knew that that's what God was asking us to lay down. We knew that that was the will of God for our lives. And it's amazing to see how God has showed up since we made that decision in our finances and in our life. It's so important that we understand that God wants us to be blessed. And number two, if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. Surrendered or enslaved? Surrendered or enslaved? What we have to understand is if we don't surrender our money to the Lord, if we don't give him every part of our life, including our finances, we're enslaved to the things in which we think we own. Look, look back at verse 22. It says, when Jesus heard these things, he said to him, you still lack one thing. Sell all that you have, distribute to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven and come follow me. In verse 23, it says, when he heard this, he became very sorrowful for he was very rich. You know what's unique to me about that statement? is after Jesus said that to him, he still had every bit of money that he showed up with. He still had all of his possessions. But guess what? He walked away sorrowful. Like there's no promise in mammon. Look at what it says in Matthew 6, 24, that no one can serve two masters for either one will hate the one and love the other or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. What happened is, is this rich young ruler found himself in a situation where he trusted in his riches more than he trusted in God. And if we're not careful, if we're not careful, what we can end up finding ourselves in is a situation where we believe that our money will give us our identity. We believe that our money will give us our purpose, our freedom, and our destiny. And understand this, those things are only found in Jesus Christ. And if we don't surrender that to God, we become enslaved to that which owns us. First Timothy 6.10 says, for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. So, so often you hear this verse misquoted. You hear people say that, you know, well, money's the root of all evil. No, no, that's not true. I'll tell you, I, I know people that, that, have, that are very wealthy and that are very blessed, and they do all kinds of good with their money. What that verse is saying there is the root of all kinds of evil is the love of money. It's the idolatry of money. It's when we begin to place money above God and when we say, you know what, God, you can have all, you can have all my junk, but leave my finances alone. And that's not a place that we want to find ourselves. See, what the enemy wants to do is the enemy wants to get you in a place where you trust your money so, so much that when something like coronavirus hits or something like oil goes down to zero dollars a barrel, you lose your identity. You lose it and you sit here and you say, I'm nothing because I don't have my money. I'm nothing because I don't have what I find value in. You know what's crazy to me is if you look back in 1929 when the stock market crashed, you had thousands of men committing suicide because their identity was tied to money. Let me tell you something this morning, new song. Okay, if you don't get anything else out of this, you are not your money. Your identity is not tied to your money. Your identity is found in Jesus Christ. And one of the things that we have to do as parents and as leaders is we have to understand that this is so important that our children get this. Because what message are we communicating to them that it takes money to have identity? 
I want you to think about this. Some, think about some of the most important people in our society. Teachers, firefighters, first responders, police officers, military, nurses. Think about some of the most important people who right now are on the front lines of, of dealing with what we're dealing with in our world. Do you think they make more money than most people? Oftentimes, those are people that are trying to figure out a way to make ends meet, but they do what they do because they're called to do that. If we're not careful, we're communicating a message that they don't have any identity because they don't have more money. We have to be careful with this. Understand that if we don't surrender our money to Jesus, if we don't surrender our money to God, we find ourselves enslaved to it. Point number three is live to give. Live to give. Now I want to camp out here for just a little bit. Live to give. You know, if you can't understand point one, and if you have a hard time understanding point two, point number three is going to sound just absolutely crazy to you. <laughs> it's going to be as foreign as a foreign language that you've never heard. Now I'll tell you, in my own life, I can remember, you know, you got to understand something. I married the most generous person on planet Earth. <laughs> And I, I was not very generous. Matter of fact, the idea of giving when Kristen and I got married was so foreign to me that, that I actually would get upset when she would want to give. I'll tell you a little bit about our story is when, when we first got married, I deployed overseas. I was in the military and it was in 2009. And for the majority of 2009 and 2010, I was in uh, Iraq and she was back home. So she managed the finances. And she handled everything, which made sense because it's not like on Saturday I could go to the Baghdad outlet malls and buy a new jacket. So I, I didn't pay much attention to the finances. She handled everything. And when she was handling everything, she was giving every month. She was giving and she was honoring God with the tithe. And she was even, you know, buying birthday presents and, and, and helping people out when they needed help. And I, honestly, I didn't, I didn't know much about that. We didn't have a whole lot of time to talk, but what's interesting is when we moved back or when I moved back and I came home, I kind of saw this behavior. And we had been able to save up money, we had been able to pay off debt, but I had a hard time getting back into employment and earning an income. And when that stuff started to fade away, my resistance towards giving was at an all-time high. We used to fight. I remember she would want to give to the church and I'd say, there is no way we're giving to, they don't need our money. We barely even have enough. She, she'd want to give birthday presents to family members. Isn't that crazy? Like, to give birthday presents to family members outside of our circle? I was like, no, there's no way. And what you've got to understand is if you can't understand those first two things, you're going to look at what you have and it will never, ever be enough. It'll never be enough. And I believe the greatest blessing that comes when God blesses our finances is not necessarily the blessing that he puts on us, but it's the blessing that he can do through us to help other people. It's the great, it's, it, that is, I'm going to tell you, as somebody that has walked through this, my favorite part about God's blessing on our finances is that we get to be a vessel. He gets to say, you know what, hey, I want you to take care of that person's groceries, or I want you to, to give over here. It's my most favorite part because it all belongs to him anyway. And so it's so easy for me now to give. And, and what I want to do this morning is I want to look at a story in Matthew chapter 14. In Matthew chapter 14, we see the story of when Jesus feeds the 5,000. And many of us have heard this story. But I want to look at it maybe from a little bit of a different angle this morning. And so if you will, turn in Matthew chapter 14, verse 15. It says here that when it was evening, his disciples came to him saying, this is a deserted place. 
and the hour is already late. Send the multitudes away that they may go into the villages and buy themselves food. So the disciples are saying, hey, Jesus, we've been here for quite a while. These people are hungry. We're, We're pretty hungry. You know, there's nothing around here. Like, let's send them on their way so that they can eat. And I also got to believe this. The disciples probably had some selfishness in here. They're going, yeah, we're, we want to eat too. So let's, let's let them go so that we can eat what we have. And I love Jesus' response in verse 16. It says, Jesus said to him, they don't need to go away. You give them something to eat. Jesus gives his disciples here an invitation to give. He says, what do you have? And they said to him, we have only five loaves and two fish. You know, how often is it when, when we feel like God is giving us some direction to do something, specifically with our finances, and it's so easy to look down and go, yeah, I don't have enough. Like, I, I don't even really have enough for me. I don't have enough to, you know, I'm in the process of trying to, to save and put away and, and do these things for my family. And, and I'm not saying that those things are bad. Understand that you need to be a good steward and you need to take care of. But how often, when the moment that we see a need, do we look and go, yeah, well, I don't have enough for that. Just like the disciples saw here. And I love what Jesus says in verse 18. He said, bring them here to me. Then he commanded the multitudes to sit down on the grass and he took the five loaves and the two fish, looking up to heaven. Now I want you to circle these four words, underline them, circle, like these are four of my favorite words in all of the Bible. He blessed and broke. And he gave the loaves to the disciples and the disciples gave to the multitudes. So they ate and they were filled. They took up the 12 baskets full of the fragments that remained. Now those who had eaten were about 5,000 men besides women and children. What we gotta understand here is this. It says 5,000 men, and a lot of times we talk about it, the miracle of feeding the 5,000. But more than likely, there was probably 20 to 30,000 people here, if you include their wives and their children. Like, think about that. That's the Chesapeake Energy Arena full of people. Two, two fish and five loaves. And what's Jesus say? He says, bring it to me. I'm gonna bless it, and I'm gonna break it. You see, when we give God what, what we have, When we give God our finances, yes, he blesses it. But he also breaks something. And the great thing about when we give God our finances and he blesses it, one of the greatest blessings is he breaks the spirit of poverty off our life. He breaks the spirit of fear that's associated with mammon. He he breaks the spirit of selfishness. He breaks it. He not only blesses it, but he breaks those things off of our life so that when we experience hard times, so that when he asks us to do things, we don't look at those things. We look at a God who says, hey, I can feed them all. I can take care of every need. And as we look down, it says they all ate, they were all filled. Everybody's need was met. And not only was everybody's needs met, I'm willing to bet that those baskets that the disciples walked away with, those basket of fragments had more than two fish and five loaves in them. Not only did Jesus work through the disciples with what little they had, but he was able to bless what he was able to bless the blessing so that they could walk away with more. It's one of my favorite pictures of what God can do with what we have. You know, Paul writes in Philippians 4:13, we we all know this verse, I can do all things in Christ who strengthens me. But you got to look at what verse 11 and verse 12 say. What he first writes is this, Not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned whatever state I am and to be content. I know how to be abased, which means I know how to have little. 
I know how to abound, which he's saying here, I know how to have great. Everywhere and in all things, I have learned both to be full and both to be hungry. I've learned to abound and to suffer, but I can do all things in Christ who strengthens me. See, Paul understood this, that whether I have a lot or I have a little, God will give me more than enough to do what his will is in my life. And he will always take care of me. You know, I've shared with you guys how hard it was for me to give. I've shared with you that, that Kristen was by far and above the leader in giving. And I'll never forget, March 12th, 2011, I, I was sitting in a church service. Angry, I was mad at God, if I'm being honest with you. I had all these visions and all these dreams and I really laid out to Kristen, this is what our life's gonna look like and it was anything but it. It was anything but what we had looked at. And I remember the pastor was talking about Joseph and he was talking about Joseph being in the pit. And That day I very, very much felt the real pit that I had dug for myself. And at the end of it, he said, you know, I, I really wasn't planning on talking about this, but I feel like somebody needs to hear this. And he began to talk about tithing. And he began to talk about the importance of surrendering every part of your life to God. And you know, I'll never forget it. It was as if blinders were pulled off my eyes. I sat up in a balcony of a church and I just, I mean, I lost it. I, I just weeped. I looked at my wife and I apologized because I hadn't been leading our family the way that I should. And I made a commitment that day. I made a commitment to Kristen. I made a commitment to God that, that there's no part of my life that you can't have. And that includes my finances. It all belongs to you, Lord. If you ask me to give everything, I'm giving it to you. And what's unique about it is we didn't get checks in the mail. Like we gave that Sunday. We, we didn't get checks in the mail or big packages of money or the publisher's clearinghouse didn't show up at our front door and say, you're a millionaire. But what did happen is the spirit of fear and poverty was broken over my life. And I began to trust God. I began to fully trust that, that God's gonna provide and God's gonna take care of me. And I know some of you, that's where you're at right now. Some of you are sitting there and you're going like, you really struggle with that thought. Understand, God, God wants to break that off of you. And four weeks later, I go to a job interview. And in this job interview, I'm 22 years old at the time. And they told me, they said, we've never hired anybody under the age of 25 because you can't be on our company's insurance policy to drive a truck. Part of the reason why I wanted this job so bad is I was gonna have a dependable vehicle. My vehicle was running on its last leg and, and it was a great opportunity to get a truck. And I, I remember they said, man, you can't, you can't have a company truck. And we've got another guy who's, you know, he's well advanced in this stuff and he's done this before. And I remember I came home and I just told Kristen, I said, hey, it doesn't look like we're gonna get this, but I'm gonna keep trusting God. A week later, they called. I mean, I'll never forget this phone call. They said, hey, we're gonna give you the job. Now you can't have a company truck, but what we can do is we're gonna increase your pay each month so that you can go out and buy your own vehicle. And I just remember thinking, man, God showed up. God showed up in an amazing way. And later on, when, like I said, when Kristen, as we look you know, further on down our road and our path that we've been on since we've been giving, when God asked Kristen to walk away from work, God took care of it. We were never without. I'll never forget sitting on the front row here in the first heart for the house that we were ever a part of. And Pastor Josh and Pastor Sarah got up and they talked about giving and what, what is God putting on your heart to give? And I'll never forget, 
I just heard very clearly all of it. And I looked over at Kristen and I said, what are you hearing? And she said, all of it. Now I don't say this to brag, but I say this. If you would have told me that at some point in my life, we would have given 100% of everything that was in savings, I would have told you, you were absolutely crazy. But we gave it and we were able to give it in faith because we knew that God had showed up before, he's gonna show up again. And again, I don't say these things to brag on us. I say these things to brag on God. Last year, our giving was more than the salary that she walked away from. (laughs) I I know this. I I know more than anything else in my life that whatever God asks you to give, he's going to do so much, so much more with it than what you could ever give and whatever you could do by yourself. You know, we look back oftentimes and we talk about those markers we look back in those markers of where God showed up in our life and literally I, I shudder when I think, what if we wouldn't have given? What would our life look like now? And I love this quote by Jim Elliott. Jim Elliott was a missionary who died in the 50s, but I love this quote that he said. He said, he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. It's an invitation for God to do so much more with your finances than you could ever do. And we can't take it with us. But I can promise you this, one thing we can do is we can send it ahead. We can send it ahead and we can bless others. If you would, bow your head with me this morning. Father God, I thank you. Lord, I thank you for your blessing in our life. Lord Jesus, I... I ask right now, Father, that you would, you would bless us, Lord, that you would, you would open up heaven. Father, that as we commit to you this morning to surrender our finances to you, Lord, that you would do far, far greater with it than what we could ever do on our own. If you would, I want you to stay in an attitude of prayer this morning. Maybe you find yourself in a situation where you haven't surrendered your finances. Maybe you find yourself in a situation where you go, I've given God everything, but that's the one thing that I'm hanging on to. I'm telling you right now, just just as he spoke to me on that March Sunday, I, I believe he's speaking to you this morning. I believe it's an invitation, not, not to lose something, but to gain something, to gain the peace that only he can provide, to gain the security that only he can provide. And so if that's you this morning, what I want you to do is I just want you to hold your hands out. And I want to pray with you. Father, I thank you for every person this morning. Father, that recognizes the need to surrender this part of their life to you. And Lord, I ask right now that as as they make these decisions, Lord, as as they come together with their spouse, Father, and they they choose that moving forward from this day forward, Father, that, that everything belongs to you. Lord, I pray that you bless them. Father, I pray that you give them the peace that they need. I pray that you give them the courage that it's gonna take. And Lord, I'm grateful that your word says that you're gonna rebuke the devourer on their behalf. And Father, that you open up the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing for them. Lord Jesus, we thank you, we love you, and it's in Jesus' name we pray. Thanks for listening to this week's message from New Song Church. If you have a prayer need or would like more information about New Song, you can email info at newsongpeople.com. If you would like to partner with New Song through giving, go to www.newsongpeople.com forward slash give. 
And if you want to stay connected to New Song, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by searching for New Song People.